Okay. Ready? Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. Season four, and we have some big announcements. The podcast started as an extension of our work and ministry with survivors of sexual exploitation and trafficking. However, these conversations exposed a broader cultural issue impacting Christ followers. So starting in season four, this podcast will attempt to explore the big question, how do we live and love like Jesus today? We are moving the podcast under the religion and spirituality category to explore the wide context of Christ following. So please share the show with others. In this podcast, we will give space for conversation, compassion, and courage as we seek to love God and love our neighbor. Lastly, we're looking to grow our support as there has they been actually no budget by like this podcast. The video version. So if you listen oh, to the show, little bit of consider supporting free, us even at pre dollars a month so by going to Supporters will get bonus content and savings on all books, products, and conferences. And raw um, live yeah. video okay, footage so, of the recording. Brett, are you going to end? So, how do we live and love like Jesus? Let's find out. Hello, Emily. Hello, Brett. Tell me where you're coming from today, Emily. Live from? Homestead. I got laundry behind me. I got little clean dishes on the counter. Um, I've got feeling, a screw loose in my microphone. Are you are you feeling footloose and fancy free as we've stepped into this tier 22, 20,022, 2000, whatever the hell it is? <laughs> where, are, where are we? I feel like I have had a little bit of a rough re-entry into this. And I think everybody collectively is maybe what I'm feeling. It's like, we're kind of like, yes. Oh, wait, whole, you know, and it just, it's, it's kind of, it, I feel the tension of like hoping and dreaming and like, I'm excited, but I'm not who I was in 2019. And in 20, like there's been a lot that's changed in two years. So we will talk about it over this season of, yeah. Of the Jesus Said Love podcast, season four, mind you. Welcome, yes. To season four. That's right. We are. I'm, take it away. Well, we're excited. <laughs> we're excited <laughs> to have our guests on the podcast. Um, this week, we are talking to dear friends from like OG Baylor days, Chris OG. and Julie Bennett. Welcome to the show. Mur, 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 mur. Coming to you from sunny Burbank, California. Thank you guys so much for having us. That was my radio voice, Brett. There you go. You know, no, um, your radio voice was like this. What what you all don't know is the the first memory that I have of Chris was he was the local uh, record spinner of the uh, Christian music station here in Waco, Texas. Uh, right. W-J-E-S-U-S. Um, <laughs> and I would come in and just be a, a, a rock star guest yep. Um, yep. and didn't know what in the world I was doing, and neither did he, but we made beautiful uh, music I mean, together. speak for yourself. Yeah, you requested yeah. a lot of Carmen. I mean, there was a lot of Carmen. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, amazing. we go way back. We definitely go way back, you guys. I mean, Brett, you... I mean, nobody has a better radio voice than you. Can we just acknowledge oh, that? That is yeah. a that is a yeah. kind word that I will receive with open hands. Babe, Thank that you. can be your other job. If we don't monetize the podcast and if <laughs> if we don't get funding in for the next year, you Ooh. can be a radio host. I'll go to the radio <laughs> station. Chris can be your guest. I love it. Kind of 
Let's around. go. Well, so Chris, you guys, you guys are in California, mm-hmm, Southern, yes. Southern California to be exact, Los Angeles to be exact, Celebrityville to be exact. Mm. My very first question is the greatest and the worst celebrities you've met so far. Okay. Uh, met or have seen or have followed. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I'll let you answer it how you would prefer. I will say a few weeks ago. I went on a Wednesday night to attend a church home, which is Judah Smith's the pastor there. And I knew Beaver goes there, but I'm walking. I just dropped Julie off and I'm walking up to the building and it's at this beautiful theater in Beverly Hills, of course. Um, and this brand new, um, uh, Mazda Miata. No, I'm kidding. It was, they don't even make those anymore. So it couldn't be brand new, but it was a, a, a Land Rover discovery rolls up and, uh, none other than the Bieber. The Biebs. Got out of his vehicle and was very kind. There were a few people waiting to see, and he was really gracious and really sweet. He went in and worshipped his little heart out on the front row there. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. a good one. We definitely well, we don't get Julie. that in Waco. I don't, I don't, I well, you have a, a couple of celebrities in Waco, I think. Uh, what are we, their names? We have two. What is their, <laughs> I think I heard one of them. It's like Frito. What is it? <laughs> Chip. Chip. No, I was checking. No, I was checking. Right. Come on, Jules. Have you um, met Julie? Doesn't recognize people, so she's yeah, probably guys, seen them and didn't I'm know who not, they were. Yeah, I don't really. I don't know really famous people. I can't. Not know famous people. I just mean I don't. I wouldn't catch him. Yeah, you know, I I bet that is a thing that uh, you I'm when like, you oh, see cool. these people out in real life, it's it's you're not registering that. Oh, that's yeah, Elvis Presley or. <laughs> I mean, I don't. So that would be like we. Not real sure why that's the first name that came to my head, but you know. (laughs) But add the mask thing to it as well, and it's you know very incognito, which is fun for celebrities. Uh, what's her name? Oh, Demi Moore. I talked oh, to Demi yes. and what? at her table. So yeah, that's true. First, that's true. Y'all did talk. Yeah. Yeah, we talked. Wow. It was cool. I was like, she's not as tall as I thought she was. Or and I did tall. think when Julie had to she shave really her head is. for the first time, and I'm sure you can talk about the cancer mm-hmm. journey later but i remember she looked like gi jane i would put them like side by side on instagram posts yeah, like my Julie muscles and, were really yeah. they were well you mentioned yes part of why i wanted to have you guys on the podcast number one y'all have your own podcast coming out called finding family um so if you like what you hear today on the jesus said love podcast you can just go listen to more of chris and julie's story and the work that they're doing and who what they're talking about um but really you guys have been through quite the journey and brett and i as we were talking about having you on the show he was just like i just can't imagine i just can't imagine and that's just kind of what he continued to try to wrap his head around just really looking at, at the very possibility, the very real possibility of life apart from each other, of losing mm-hmm. um, each other because of cancer. And so I just I just want to know so many things about this process for you. So tell us a little bit about, first of all, we know that you're living in California, but what's your background? You truly had a story before you had this story of suffering. Yeah. So kind of bring yeah. us up to speed on, on where you find yourself, where you've been, where you are now. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you want the two-hour version? Do you want the two-minute version? So <laughs> two minutes. Oh, you go. <laughs> you go and all. <clears throat> As Brett would say, I will color it in. <laughs> 
Ooh. Yes. Okay. I feel already quoting you. Already quoting you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was born at a really young age. I don't know when you guys were born, but it's, <laughs> that's when it started for me. And it was like, all right, I don't know how this is going to go. No, grew up in Dallas. Um, met Julie. Okay, I'm getting cool. there quick. Okay. I'm, I'm, I met Julie after my freshman year at um, Baylor I University. I met Julie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, grew up in a great home. Went to Baylor. Met Julie after my freshman year. She was at the University of Oklahoma. She saw me and was like, I'm going to transfer to, I mean, for obvious yeah. reasons. To- it went just like that. <laughs> so she transferred to Baylor and uh, we started dating, got engaged junior year, married beginning of our senior year, was working waiting tables at Nymphas, you guys trying to save up for a ring. Do you say Nymphas or Nymphas? Nymphas. Oh. Thank you. I say Nymphas. Yes, yeah, so that's how you say it. It's supposed to be Nymphas. And if you say Nymphas, then you're dead to us. Yeah. So I was at, I was at Nymphas working, um, <laughs> worked there, saved up for the ring. Then I kind of got promoted, worked at a place called Smoothie King off Waco Drive. You may have heard yes. of it. It's, I probably made a smoothie. You're going way back with the I'm details. just trying to get to okay. it. So okay. we get married and uh, I don't know, we, we started off marriage in a really tough way. You should, you should mm-hmm. go to that part. Okay. Yeah, I mean, married at 21. Uh, not sure what we're doing. We worked out uh, a sweet little church out in Marina, Texas. Um, I think the first year of our marriage, we, uh, well, funny. That's going to make the story too long. Well, finish it. We didn't have, we were so poor. I mean, we didn't have a table to sit at. Remember that? Yeah. And our first big fight was Chris decided to buy my dream table at Pier 1 and surprise me. And I came in, he had this sweet, you know, candles going, roses on the table. And I about lost my mind. I'm like, did you sell plasma for that? He couldn't even afford the chairs. Yeah, it was so just the table. There were no chairs. He sat <laughs> on the couch and sometimes ate, remember when we ate corn out of the cans? It's like, oh, oh we had. That sounds so much Amazing. more dramatic than it was, but it was, it was great. Um, yeah, so we did youth ministry, um, trying to graduate school um, at the same time at college and um, life life got real crazy there the first couple of years um, mm-hmm. almost lost our marriage year two mm-hmm. used to some really poor decisions um, yeah it was rough I mean mm-hmm. I uh, uh, a fair hop in year two almost lost our marriage we're limping by while we're out trying to lead um, a bunch of youth kids out in the arena and um, I'll go. Yeah. This so not two minutes clearly, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but Let's I think we, we kind of on the surface, on the surface, kind of everybody thought Chris and Julie, they had this perfect marriage, but, yeah. but, in, you know, we were going through a lot. There was trauma from her background. Yeah. We're walking through the brokenness in our marriage while trying to lead a church and a ministry, all that stuff and not yeah. really having anybody to go to. And that's no one's fault, but I remember just for a year carrying the most broken places of our marriage yeah. and I didn't tell a single person and I'm trying to lead this church and probably the radio station. Um, no wonder it didn't succeed, but, uh, we end up deciding to do some counsel to uproot, leave everything. And we did, we got out of ministry to heal and, to, um, yeah, to, to hopefully make it. And we didn't know if that was going to happen or not yeah, right around that. Sorry. And, and in that, let me just say, just so we can like speed this up a little bit. My background is grew up in the Christian home. Great. Sweet Baptist church. Um, amazing parents, all the things, but, um, I was first abused when I was 11, and then again when I was 14. Very mm-hmm. different scenarios, mm-hmm. very stre- extreme different scenarios, but it is what it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, not that that's yeah. the time for those stories, but so yeah. you, you carried that in, and I didn't tell 
And the, the huge thing that happened when I was 14, I didn't tell anybody for nine years. So our honeymoon night. Wow. And then it was wow. kind of like, timing. Which, yeah, yeah. Impeccable timing, which I didn't really say too much of because of the shame and all the things. That's a whole nother story for another time. But, and then we never talked about it again. He did the best he could. Like I wasn't giving him the full story and then we move on, which then when you're what? trying to, you know, we're in the arena sexes doing youth ministry, mm. we are yeah. those people and we're the couple and everybody thinks, you know, all the things. And I walked with a young girl who has almost an identical story to mine. Wow. It was, it's a very unique story. I'll just say that in how it played out and it was almost identical. And mm. that brought all that up, which then in return, you just see it was a snowball yeah. effect. And, yeah. and so anyway, fast forward, mm. watch yeah. this. I'm going to go so fast. Oh, I'm going to take it from here. Here we go. So what happened from there is um, we, we leave everything and uh, we get out of ministry. We, we moved on 90 acres um, and never met the people and showed up in Kansas city, like knocked on the door with all of our stuff. And it was like, oh, they knew we were coming. They knew they we were coming. Just, <laughs> Somebody it was like the nicest house. house. We're like, we live? No. Um, and we just learned how to fall in love again. And all the things, uh, got pregnant with our, our son who's almost 18 wow. and amazing. He's about to graduate. Can't believe it. And we ended up like, back in ministry two years later, moved back to Oklahoma, healed all these things that led us to, um, we ended up doing college ministry in Norman, Oklahoma. We went from there, went through another desert season to mm. love the story, went mm-hmm. back to Waco, mm. uh, where from our years in Waco, then came back to Norman and uh, to start a church. Mm. 2009. 2009. Okay. Um, we just had our third kid at that point, And we led a church in Norman for almost a decade. We'll skip all of that and ended up here in LA out of a really, really hard about four or five months, mm. to be honest. And not the reason why we came here by any means, like, mm. but here we go. Yeah, so we, yeah, go ahead. No, go. And so it sounds, I mean, this is how stories are. So we, at Jesus said Love, we say we're a story forward organization. We know that stories hold keys, not only to our wounding, but also our greatest potential for clarity and calling. And so it just sounds like, I mean, all of us have these stories, but you guys have such an acquaintance with suffering um, together. Like you, not just like these separate sufferings, but you've experienced so much both beauty and harm and suffering together in your own marriage. Yeah. And then cancer comes at your door. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just curious, like, how did everything that you've been through when you when you got the news, take us, take us kind of there into what now this journey of suffering and mm-hmm. then hope. <laughs> I mean, now yeah. that you're two times, beat, you've yeah. beat cancer twice, but what that did on your marriage, in your marriage, how did you handle suffering this time? Yeah. Can I say one thing before yeah, you talk please. very specifically about that? And I can give my perspective, but you know, we landed here with our four kids, August of 2018. And we knew a general sense of why we were coming. We had no money. We had no home. We had nothing except a very clear sense that we really believe God was calling us there. And we moved into the family that heard our story that kind of welcomed us in like strangers, but they really have become like family to us. 
Uh, the week before we were moving out is when she first got diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time. And so we had this moment where, you know, our home was, we still had a home in Oklahoma we owned. We had family and community there, but we had this strong sense that we were called to LA. And I remember sitting in the front of this house in the car with Julie when she got the news. And I just said, babe, like, I mean, just stunned and undone because we went to LA with like big dreams and and it's going to be like, you know, everything that we've ever wanted. And then you hit these roadblocks along the way that just blindsight you. And I just remember saying, Jules, do we need to go back? And do we just regroup? And she's just basically was like, listen, God called us here. Nothing's changed. We're going to walk this out here, which the courage and, and, um, of this woman, I've never seen anything like it. And not this, like, it's real courage. It's mm-hmm. real belief and strength. It's not pretend, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, so we made that decision. I don't know what it's going to look like because our, our house was under contract in Oklahoma. We were going to use that money to get a house in LA, which is very expensive to rent. We ended up house contract falling through. And so we, we start moving while she starts chemo and we moved 20 times over the seven months that she did six rounds of chemo where, you know, she's recovering in an Airbnb or these strangers that let us into their home. And we started experiencing family in the most powerful way. It shocked us. Wow. And, and even as I say it, I look back, I'm like, I don't know how we did it. It, it may sound, um, it doesn't sound glamorous. It may sound like, wow, you guys are like giants. We, you feel like an idiot. You feel like a fool and you yeah. feel like, what are we even doing? And I, as right. a husband, as a dad, I, I struggled with that. Well, because people thought we were crazy. I mean, you talk uh-huh. about some, it was the unspoken judgment, but it was like, for sure. Oh, we're really sad. Julie has cancer, but we've lost your minds. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. you've, you've chosen this sort of displacement. Right. Right. And especially when the people that had, you know, we were going to close on the house, they back out last minute, which is why we had already come because the house had sold quickly. Uh-huh. We knew how much we were getting out of this. We're going to live it. We were going to rest for six months. Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. Um, anyway. Wow. Yeah, so we we went through that journey. Finally, after seven months, another very long story landed in the house we're in now, which is in Burbank, and incredible family that um, allows us to rent this house for a lot less than what they could and, and has been really gracious to us. And Julie was in remission for a year through that. So we're finally getting a little clarity of what we're called to do and what we're going to work in media and some of these things. And then right you know, a couple months into COVID, her cancer came back for the second time, even more aggressive form of breast cancer. Um, so here we were kind of round two where you go through a hard, you think you're on the other side of it. And now all of a sudden you're, you know, back facing it again. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, courage isn't a personality. Strength's not a personality. We want to make it about, what Enneagram are you? I like this or am Enneagram 8, proud Enneagram 8. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, it's it's literally just, putting one step, one foot in front of the other. And, um, and, uh, we really went through, I mean, being pastors of a church, like leading an actual local church for almost about 10 years, you get to practice everything you preach. Like, do you, you know, you get to learn new things, you get to unlearn some things and I wouldn't trade the journey for anything. So our yes wasn't about being strong. Our yes wasn't about proving something. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our, you know, it wasn't, it was none of that. I mean, and really early on, I felt like I was supposed to be more public on social media. And I was like, I actually don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I did. I felt like I was supposed to do that. And what that did for me wasn't about what can I give people? Mm-hmm. I don't really think it should ever be about that. I think mm-hmm. it was, I didn't realize that the why behind that became a healing journey for me 
Mm-hmm. that actually taught me how to really be loyal and true to myself in a way that I hadn't been in ministry, that I hadn't been really in life. And that, that mm-hmm. might sound dramatic too, but like in life and in the things, you know, we hear the quotes like, give me pain a purpose. And we say all the things and they're good and they're right. Just like the verses in the Bible, believe them. They're great. But you got to, when you walk it out, like, okay, his grace is sufficient. That's a great thing. I love saying that to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean when, when you, yeah. you're like, I just got thrown in the fire. I didn't ask yeah. for this. This isn't fair. Yeah. Where's all the things? And it's like, well, I experienced so much joy in those seven months of moving 20 times. And the same suitcase is definitely wore the same sweatpants like, <laughs> that I had in the bag. Um, not knowing that, I mean, the movers almost stole all of our belongings. That's a whole nother really funny. It's funny now because <laughs> we've got our stuff. Um, not knowing when it was going to end dealing with your kids. Not only have you moved them from everything that they've ever known. Wow. And their little bubble in Norman, Oklahoma and community and all the things, but uh, you're now moving. And again, they have the same suitcases and all the things. And the joy that we experienced was so tangible and so real. It wasn't the cool thing. I should tell you, I guess guys, we just had so much joy. Like, no, it was something of, I mean, how I could feel angry and sad and drop some serious curse words as I closed myself in the corner of a closet because I just needed some space to just feel mm-hmm. and be angry and experience the joy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'll never be the same. And I don't know if I've actually probably quite experienced that since then. Mm. sometimes makes me sad but mm-hmm. th- there's something that we taste that we just go I, I can always go back to that and it doesn't leave you the same and so I think the um the whole journey and then going into COVID and we're also in LA mm-hmm. <laughs> no mm. but it's I mean just the whole journey of the COVID stuff like I almost I almost died one night after my first round of chemo round, round two of cancer and it was my first infusion and it was a really aggressive type of chemo, much more aggressive than the first time. And they originally told me like, we're looking at like early stage four and you hear that and you're like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Excuse me. Cause I'm, I'm feeling good, you know? And you go through this process and I was trying to save my hair originally. Oh, it was awful. <sighs> I, and it's, it's just a real, it's kind of a brutal process um, while you get the infusion. It's anyway. Yes, but, yeah, I watched the cold stuff. <laughs> the ice thing, yeah. The ice, yeah, the cold ice. caps. Well, there um, that night, I was uh, taking one of the anti-nausea mugs, mugs, mugs. <laughs> a whole mug. Drugs. It's a lot but of I medicine. drank out of the mug. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but basically, this this medicine that like I basically had the worst reaction to it. So my heart was like my heart rate was dropping. All these things were happening. My point is, it was just during the COVID time where. My kids are so traumatized by what they were seeing and I couldn't stop throwing up and I was passing out and I couldn't stay coherent and they get me to the hospital and then my temperature drops down to like 93 or something, <sighs> 92. And they're, my friends can't even go in. So I'm, I'm there in the hospital that night, not knowing if I'm going to make it, hardly remembering anything. I can't talk to my husband. Nobody can be in there with me. And I thought, okay, this is the low of the low. Actually, like, oh, it makes me emotional. Yeah. And I have to go like, was like, and like, I had that moment where like, it's not as if my life flashed before my eyes and 
I was like, what does it look like to be courageous right now? Like, what's the point of persevering right now? Like, I need to be reminded of that. And the reminders that came out of those moments over the last three years, they ground you and anchor you in a way that, you know, um, brings an understanding of family that is not just the right thing to say anymore or the right thing to do or a good sermon. Yeah. It really, um, it reminds you of who you are and why you were created. And then you go, the, the irony or, yeah, I mean, <coughs> it's a paradox of like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Although I wish it never happened. Mm-hmm. Like my story, I wish this never happened in my marriage here too, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It, it doesn't make sense, but they can hold, they can yeah. sit in the same space yeah. mm-hmm. and they can be there and they can literally mold us and change us. Um, and we can be thankful for them and mm. the gratitude that we feel for the last three years. Mm. I don't even know how to put it into words, you know, and she is cancer free. We should, we should say she's doing yes. well and I am healing up again. We had a really scary month that maybe cancer had gone to my bones. I've had a lot of issues, but all clear. Shutting down all. Estrogen rapidly. Chris, what Do is it like <laughs> to be a dad? <clears throat> and a husband um, and not be able to see your wife on the night that she might pass. Yeah. It's interesting, Brett, because I don't want to sound like um, a person that doesn't deal with fear. I deal with fear and I have more ever in the last three years than I have ever in my life. And fear's a healthy emotion. I mean, it's what we do with it. And I think I've always been optimistic and, and going through it the first time. I think because our life, you know, it was packing up every seven, eight days. We, you know, it was, it, we were surviving. You should um, see this guy pack up the back of a car. I like Tetris. Years <laughs> of Tetris helped. Um, brilliant. How'd you do that? But I think when it came back the second time, it felt different. It felt weightier. Um, but that night in particular, I remember because of COVID, I couldn't even go be with her unless she mentioned yeah. that. But yes, yeah, so the two of her friends took her. I stayed back with the kids. And she's calling me when she could finally I talk. Did, yeah, she probably didn't remember this. And uh, she said they were going to do brain scans, and I it, it just was. I'm laying in my bed at 1 a.m. You know, with my wife not next to me, and it was the first time I actually felt afraid. Mm. And I'm picturing life without her, and I'm um, thinking about my kids, thinking about um, all that we've been through, and thinking, God, surely this is not like the outcome. And yet, the, the weird thing with suffering that I, we live in the tension of. God promises certain things, but suffering is actually one of them. And how do you live in the believing God for miracles right. and healing? Yeah. And sometimes healing looks really different. And we have people that love God and believe in God and, and didn't get the outcome they prayed for. And how do you do that right. without getting angry and bitter and live in the tension of like, yeah, we're just not, it's not, we're not in the full, we're not fully there yet. And, and we won't be until heaven. And so there's that weird place of, I don't want to lose my hope yet there's the the fragility of the humanity, you know, and sickness and all that. So it was surreal. I think we have learned, if anything, just to stay grateful, like the little winds of gratitude along the way to really celebrate them. Because as cliched as it sounds, I mean, there's two things Jesus said about tomorrow. Don't boast about it and don't worry about it. Mm. And I think there's a reason because like, if, if I'm thinking about a fearful future, 
I'm going to miss out on like, oh, I have my wife with me today. And and nobody's guaranteed. Like we could go out and get hit by a car today. I mean, you mm-hmm. just never know. We have a friend that passed away this week from COVID. His mm-hmm. funeral was this morning. We're streaming it. And you're like, a week ago, he texted me, responded to an Instagram story. Three days later, he's dead. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, well, I don't even know what to do with that. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm answering it, except that it was really scary. Um, and it gives me a lot of gratitude when you have these little wins along the way. Um, and I, I just want to tell this one story because it's to me, Ben, it, it marked me because um, right when she got her, we're about to get her scans back to see the pro, like how far her cancer had progressed and the doctor was anticipating a stage four diagnosis. I, um, she had these two girls that are in a small group with her out here that had the same dream basically. And, and both the dreams, they had them separately, like six weeks apart. And it was about Julie being like an olive tree and, and the olives being, it was being pressed, but it wasn't being crushed. And, and there was oil coming out of it and the oil represented healing and, and olive trees represent long life. You know, there's one in Bethlehem that's 6,000 years old was there when King David was there, you know, so it, it was very symbolic of what it meant for us. Then that next night, when I find this out, another one of her friends has a vivid dream about the olive tree. They got an, um, a little olive tree, put it in our bedroom. And um, that night, a guy on Twitter that I just barely know, he's a pastor in Kansas City, was sending out a message said, hey, we're having a prayer group tonight in Kansas City. Um, if anybody needs prayer, let me know. I sent him a quick little DM, one line, hey, my wife's battling breast cancer right now. Three hours later, he sends me a screenshot of the Zoom call of all these people praying. And all he puts, he said, quote, the uh, Los Angeles needs an olive tree in the house of the Lord, Psalm 52, 8. And that Psalm 52, 8 says, and I am like a flourishing olive tree anointed in the house of the Lord. So within 48 hours, three people have this dream. This prayer group, who I don't even know, gets the same word. And then the next day, the owner of our house comes over and I'm telling her this story. And she goes, you know, there's an olive tree in the backyard. And we've been here at that point, two and a half years. And I was like, no. And in our wow. backyard, there's an olive tree they planted 15 years ago when they were raising their kids in this house. So in a short amount of time, here's the thing that we learned. God can give you tell you, here's what I'm going to do for you, but you still have to go through the process to get there. He doesn't like, we don't get the fast pass. We don't get to cut to the front of the line. You know, I think that's the thing we learn. Like sometimes you just still have to go through the freaking fire, you know, and not lose your faith in the process. Well, I'll tell you this right in front of JSL are two olive trees. I'm looking at one right now. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Is that true? It's a true story. It's very true. It's right there. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, your pain, it's, you know, not wasting your pain as it's such a waste. It's like such a beautiful opportunity. And I'm telling you what, I came in a, a beat up to LA and I didn't mm. know that you could get more beat up. Um, but oh, I was a compartmentalized junkie and I didn't know it. I could tell you mm. if somebody else was. I or disassociated all those things, like mm-hmm. all of the trauma that I thought I'd work through. Mm-hmm. I just barely crushed, you know, uh, scratched the surface, and mm-hmm. um, and again, I not wasting your pain is not enough just to say it. It's like choose mm-hmm. to not waste it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It will. It, it can be a gift in more ways than you know. Do you do you think I'm. Um, I'm wondering about, you mentioned um, how in previous years in ministry that, you know, you had said all these things and you guys believed all these things and and you already had your own stories of suffering and trauma. It's not like that 
it was like a rose garden walk, you know, up until mm-hmm. this point, you'd already been through so much. What was it about this? I'm specifically curious about the embodiment of suffering with cancer for you. Did that suffering in your, like you're now, you're not just, cause I, we all know the body keeps the score. We can go through emotional suffering that has like, we might not sleep good at night or we may have some anxiety. We may have, you know, racing heart, may have some social issues, but when cancer hits your body, you can't go anywhere from that. So what was it about suffering in this way that brought this kind of awareness of yeah, gratitude and, and healing and all that? Something about that question. That's a good question. Mm. Um, because I denied everything that I thought made me who I was. Yeah. I would have told you the right thing. We are not our gift. And I mean, I was a worship pastor for 10 years. And I, I could have told you all those things. And I would have told you that I believed those things. I, I think I did. But when you are literally halted from, I mean, in, in, in literally an instance, not only was... I haven't led worship since I left, which is great. That's, that's, that's irrelevant. I, I left that behind. That's great. Right. If I lead worship again, also if I don't. Pastor, all of the things we did, right? and then you get cancer. And I'm a driver by my nature. I am, um, I'm a good boss in my own right. Mm-hmm. I know that about me. Mm-hmm. I'll celebrate that about me all day long. Mm-hmm. And when you're shut down from doing all the things that you can do, it's it's a helplessness that is hard to put into words. Mm. But it's a helplessness that like has changed me forever. Yeah. Maybe helpless isn't the right word. Um, dependency. A dependency. Yeah. A, a reliance on like Jesus. You got to be all that you said you are. Yeah. You have to be all that you said you were. I've seen you do that at my marriage. Like I, I mean, hey, we're not perfect. We were just telling you guys about our big fight we had last week. But yeah. I, I seriously think I have the best marriage in the world. Like yeah. I get redemption, and I look at these these moments in my life where, well, back in my marriage, you take that like, okay, God redeems everything. That's great. No, but when you walk through the fire like we did in our marriage. And you go, no, actually, redemption's worth it because it means it's better than it was before. Just like, hang on. Yeah. Hold on. It's worth mm-hmm. the fight. Mm-hmm. I can tell you about that. Yeah. And now I can tell you, my life is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't fight. What does that mean to fight when you can't do anything? You can't yeah. do anything. And yeah. my mem- I mean, I still have short-term memory. So bad. Brain fog. My bo- I mean, cancer is a... Yeah. Say it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to cuss on that. <laughs> our, oh, no, our, listeners, our listeners kind of know. So. Oh, great, great, great. Okay. You know, cancer yeah, is a bitch. It, it, it constantly steals. I'm, 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 yeah. There's nothing. I mean, I've had 18 month thrones removed. I have to make sure I can never take a bath, like a hot bath again, or like get in a hot tub. And my point is, I could sit here and be like, it is not fair. It's not fair. Mm. It didn't deserve that. Right. No, 
anybody has ever tracked it. They don't deserve that. Gosh, we can go through the list. But I refuse in my helplessness, in my place of like, I mean, I'm really independent. And you talk about like that all shutting down. I need you to do everything for me. I even Mm. like, I've been, that's, praise God, cancer's not in my bones. and, And I had a clear report recently with that. Mm. But keep throwing up my back. I can't bend over. I can't do certain yeah. things. I'm like, am I ever going to have some traction again? Yeah. Chris, can you do this? And I mean, you know, just to, you know, wow. I mean, this this man not only mm. chose me mm. when he could have left really easily. Yeah. Had every right. The way this man has forgiven mm. and loved me and mm. served me. And when people didn't understand and thought we were crazy, and are you taking care of your family? Are you doing this? I'm like, I will have to defend this man and my family who is, we're learning how to live again. Yeah. Even though I'm not sure if I'm going to live. And, and that's, yeah. how do you, how do you explain that? I don't know, except that we're standing and we have never been better. We've never, we've watched our kids have a closeness that, I wouldn't trade for anything that they, they yeah. wouldn't have if I was still there in Oklahoma. Totally. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I'm not, I, 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 you can't get around that. We stayed in normal. Like, I could probably give you lots of good things. It's, it's not about that. But if we can stay bitter at the things yeah. that come before us or we can go, I refuse to be bitter. What I don't refuse to do is feel all of it. We've learned to feel mm. I thought right. I did that well as a parent. I sucked, right. actually. Right. I didn't give my kids space. I thought I gave them space because I'm a very vulnerable person. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't know half of what that meant. Yeah. But we're still learning. Like, we'll never arrive there. It's just like... Yeah. Anyway, anyway. I'll say that. Wow. Dependency. Yeah. It's surrender, what, whatever word you want to use. I have to, I will never stop surrendering, but yeah. not in their like good Christian way. Like, we're supposed to surrender to Jesus. Like, that's a given. <laughs> like, I have to surrender to what I think I know, what I think I want to build here in LA. Yeah. He's been working his tail off. People don't know what he's been doing. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. I didn't know how, what a people pleaser I was. I thought I wasn't. Yeah. I, was. I didn't know yeah. how much fear I had. So cancer has been the hardest thing in my life and the greatest gift. Mm. It's just beautiful. I, I don't know if you've heard of Kate Bowler, but I, she released a book. She's had cancer multiple times and is still living. She's a professor at Duke Divinity School and she's got a book, which I think I have an extra copy. I'll send you. It's called no cure for being human. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's all these conversations of life and death and holding a toddler in her hand and recognizing like we don't get out of escaping yeah. humanity and, and suffering. And it is the pathway to ridiculous joy and gratitude yeah. and see yeah. life as life really is. Death <laughs> actually reframes life. Yeah, it does. Completely. Yeah, it does. You know? Chris, what... In watching this, um, in watching your wife just go through that, I know that Brett always says, I just, anytime I'm hurt or sick or harmed, he's like, I wish I could take your plates. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I don't, he doesn't like watching me suffer. I can't imagine what you bore witness to and what, what did it cost you to watch this and to bear witness to such suffering? Yeah, I think one, it's a really helpless feeling. And to Julie's point, like just as surrendered as she had to be, I had to be as surrendered as well, where I'm like, I can't take this. I can't fix this, you know? Um, So that's a real sense of, you just get to decide what you actually believe about God. Like that's mm-hmm. what the fire does. That's what the pressure, that's what it does. Because I see people that blame God in their pain and it's because they had a misunderstanding of who he is and what this life is actually meant to look like. And for me, it's just it forced me in the best way to cling to Jesus. Like as at the end of the day, this is you, you're, you're the only unchanging thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it was a very helpless feeling. Um, but I, I will say this, and I, I just almost hesitate saying this because I don't want to sound more noble than I am. I, I'll just say like when we made covenant, you know, mm-hmm. the things that we, the, the vows we wrote, the things we say yes to, I think people are so flippant about covenant and vows. And like mm-hmm. in one sense, this is what we signed up for. This is what we said yes mm-hmm. to sickness, health, richer, poor. We haven't gotten to the richer part yet, but <laughs> we, we said you know, this is what we're signing up for. And then we've had the privilege in a weird way of like testing our covenant. Like, do we mean it? Do we mean what we said? And so forgiveness has been Mm. a big part of our journey. And Mm. I want to say like, I've watched Julie forgive when she's gone through stuff that's been done to her. I've been able to walk through forgiveness of things that have been done to me and, and realize forgiveness is the gateway to freedom. Mm. Like it is the path forward. And I think, it's never to excuse what's happened or minimize it. I just know that it's possible, you know, no matter what people have been through. But to my you know, point was like, all I can say is it's, it's felt like the greatest privilege um, to walk through this with Julie, to get to be a present dad and husband mm. um, because we came out here with big dreams and we still had big dreams, but just as she like it just suffering, will beat the hell out of your ambitions to just distill down to like, what matter? What do I actually care about? And my ambitions of having, you know, a huge radio station, Brett, you remember, no, but, but all my twenties of trying to build something God never asked mm. me to build, yes. trying to create something around a gifting and, and say, God, look what I, and him say, I, that's not what I asked for. Like, I love you, you know, but that's not what I asked you to build or whatever. And I think for me, it's just distilled down very simply. Like Julie asked me yesterday, what does success mean to me? And I'm like, uh, in an earthly way, it's to be a present and intentional husband and father. And if I can do that, I'm like, I'm good. Yes, love people well, love Jesus. Or, but yeah. that's that's success to me, you know? And so to walk through this with her, to walk through this with my kids, to get to navigate it, to think about the conversations we had, those very real sit in the living room, tell them what's going on and let them feel and grieve and watch mm-hmm. them grieve in different ways and timings. And, and we've learned so much. And I'm like, my kids, they are better because of it. They're not right. mad at God. They're, right. They love God. And they have a very real, not because dad's a pastor and they had to go to church. Like he's become very real in the same way because it's like, it's tested what they actually believe, you know? So we, we had to navigate, like, what is appropriate vulnerability? Like, you know, mm-hmm. if I put all my fears and worries on my children, it's probably not helpful, but they need to know, yeah, hey, this is really scary and, and let them in to where we are in a really honest way as well. Yeah. 
Wow. You know, when you look at your family on social media and some of the things, I mean, you've, you've put out the good and the hard and the ugly and y'all have a lot of fun together. Like, it looks like you really like your kids. (laughs) And that's something that a lot of, a lot of families really want. And yet so many of us aren't willing to embrace the suffering that it might take to build that, Mm -hmm. you know? But you yeah. guys seem to really love your family and your children. You know, I think something that we've done very imperfectly, but it's always been a value is like honor. How do we celebrate each other really well? How do we make, you know, if they do something great, we're going to all celebrate it. There's not going to be jealousy or comparison. And, and that's been something we've tried, tried to cultivate around meals and, and, and just in life. So I think that essence of like honor um, of believing the best in each other. It doesn't always, trust me, we have many days where we're like, what the heck? Like, are we, do, are we doing anything right? But we always come back to like, how do we see the gold in one another and how do we call those things out and how do we celebrate them? And I think um, just vulnerability has been a, been a big part about uh, that's created friendship with our kids because I hear people say, you know, raising teenagers, just wait. I'm like, it, oh, we were talking to somebody recently. I would say it's not harder. It's just more complicated. Like, you know, the, the situations are more complex. You know, we've got one who's, we're doing college apps right now. He's about to graduate. But if I did distill down, like, Oh, I know. I mean, it's wild, but friendship with your kids to me, I don't know anything Mm. better, you know? And I think we've just tried to stay really intentional and not let cancer steal the things Mm. that we can still control. But it's allowed us to, uh, understand like true vulnerability and in, in mm-hmm. family and just let, and you know, I don't think we always do this well. I don't think we're learning for sure, but um, just being okay with the mess mm-hmm. you know? and just being okay when it's messy or um, when um, like the conversations, when one of our kids screws up or we find out something that is Oh, that's a really bummer thing that that happened or whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Those opportunities are what create friendship because yeah. some parents want to be friends so much that they forget to parent, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Some are parenting so much and being so that, that they can't create a friendship. Right. And finding that balance where um, – the friendships creating out of the parenting where you're allowing them to not be okay. And in those moments, I mean, we just did the podcast with you guys on ours and you just mentioned yeah. it, giving space for that mm-hmm. and letting people, letting people, letting your kids actually, um, what am I trying to say? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, yeah. Just letting your kids feel what they need to feel and not feel mm-hmm. like they have to pull it together for you in the parenting moment. Yes. It is so huge. And we went on a hike on Sunday and I had pulled up my back. So I was literally walking like an old lady. I'm like, I'm going on the hike anyway. <laughs> the doctor was real happy about that, but I went anyway. And I, my big boys stayed back with me because they kind of had to help me get across the creek and do all that. And I got in that. I went to bed that time. I'm just mm-hmm. Everybody was asleep. That conversation, I have lots of conversations with them, but they were asking me a question actually about my past. Like, mom, when are you going to tell us about this and about that? <laughs> well, as we felt like we're ready for this and we were talking, so we start talking and sharing. And I heard that little voice 
just tell me they're ready for this, you know? And so we start talking and it just started unlocking things in them. Mm -hmm. And we have moments like that all the time. And it was this beautiful moment of being their parent and talking through things. And one of my boys were like, yeah, I gotta tell you, I kissed this girl this one time and I don't do that. And she starts telling me this stuff. I'm like, okay. And he's like, but this was, I mean, he starts tying these things together and it tying it to my story and what we're mm. sharing. And it was a parent friendship moment mm. that, and I mean, those boys, they had to leave their phones in the car on that hike. Right. And we have things like that, that are practical, that creates that space. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's worth it to take the right. time. It's worth it to be present, like mm. being present and suffering. You mm. might think it, well, it's hard to be present when you're suffering. I say the opposite. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. It oppor- it's such an opportunity to learn about what it means to be present and ways we need to discover that more versus That's writing good. that off. So, yeah. Anyway. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to all of what you're saying and I'm, I'm, I'm just back in 2021. Um, mm. Our 2021 was the worst year of my life, particularly. Mm. And not not a comparative story. I'm trying to learn not to compare trauma to trauma. That's hard for me. Cause I'm like, well, that trauma is worse. That's that, that's more important. <laughs> hard is hard. No, my trauma is my trauma and it's bad because it happened to me. Right. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about you guys being displaced and going through so many familial moments in someone else's home. And we had a house fire on January the 10th and we were displaced until May and we lived in five Airbnbs and went through the death of my father to COVID. Oh one God. minute he's great, and one minute he's passed on. And oh um, and so I I know the little house in Lorena is the one that held me during my last conversations with him. Mm. Um, I know that, but but all of that to say, we were there together as a family, walking through mm. all of these these life-shaping moments, you know, it's Hattie's last year in high school and she's about to go to college and, and I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. Uh, And I hear you in that, you know, Emily and I had major bumps in our marriage because just all the stress and midlife crisis. And I drink too much at times and, (laughs) um, and it's just not a pleasant thing. And to deal with that and to Mm -hmm. deal with all of like, to deal with one of those things, (laughs) It's like one thing, like, you know, moving right. from Norman right. or, or, or the one thing you've been given, but then to have all of it is like, you're right. I so resonate. It's like. You wonder in those moments, like how much more can we actually handle? Like what you said earlier, Julie, like you are faced with the limitation yeah. of your own strength. Like I can't. I cannot do this anymore. I can't. I don't. I don't have space. I, I'm out. You know. Yeah. It's so real. Yeah. It's sorry. I interrupted you, Brett. But yes, I was tracking. Oh with no! You. I'm just. I'm just simply saying. I. You can't have these conversations with a lot of people because a lot of people haven't been through a lot of the things that yeah. you guys have been through or that we've been through. Much less all at the same time. And so to to find someone else who has walked through the fire as Garth Brooks yeah. would say, um, it's both standing outside the fire. <laughs> he was standing oh, outside of it. That's, yeah. that's right. Well, we he should have, <laughs> he should have walked through it. Uh, 
Did you guys have a therapist or people? What what were some tools that you yeah. relied on to help you walk this journey? Man, everybody needs therapy. Can yeah. I just say that? This is don't wait for trauma to have so therapy. Cool. Go get some therapy. Yeah. So true. You already have trauma. <laughs> therapy will help you figure it out. Definitely not indicative of a true eight, by the way, I would just simply say. She's what, she's restored. She's yeah. a restored eight. Yeah. She's Somebody's a healthy eight. Growing up. <laughs> no, I hope so. I know people are like, oh, you're you're an eight. I'm like, you know, don't do that to the eights out there. Okay. Uh-huh. Definitely really immature eights. You might want to run. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but uh no. But therapy uh, for sure. Therapy. Yeah, no, therapy. <laughs> okay. I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned that on this podcast or when we were talking before, but we did a podcast last week with somebody. Kind of got a little tip over this podcast and something that happened. You and I did. Sorry, Chris, myself. Yeah. Yes. And I realized something he said to me triggered me like I'm talking zero to a bazillion. And I was ready to like cuss my husband out. Like I was feeling this stuff, like what is going on? Wow, you don't get me. You don't, I mean, whatever the like ridiculousness was. Well, it wasn't ridiculous because it was a trigger. It was trauma to the therapy point. We've never arrived and we always need therapy. It doesn't have to look just like your neighbor or your spouse, but whatever that therapy looks like for you, because we are constantly growing. If there's anything that I can take from the last few years is that, that I didn't realize I wasn't doing. I would say each year of my life, yeah, I, I can look back even doing as a pastor and doing ministry that I kept growing, but there was still a cap because I would think I arrived somewhere in a certain part of my life and I go, I'm good there. So maybe there's something else. You know what? I am good. But in my goodness, my goodness is growing. My child, it's growing. Every these triggers I have over the smallest things, I called my therapist right away, and I said, "Okay, there's something. I'm not going to feel shameful. I'm not going to feel like total crap because that happened. I'm going to go. I'm going to be thankful that that argument happened because it revealed to me that I need another call. I need something this week. It revealed to me what was needed, and we have to pay attention to the things that are revealed." Mm. And not let shame hide us and keep us from going, actually, this is a self-awareness moment that's going to bring me into healing. Because self-awareness is not healing. It's just the beginning. And I think people stop there and go, okay, that's what I did in my true years. But I'm super self-aware. And so, oh, Jesus, thank you. And I tied it up to the bow and I moved on. Mm -hmm. My friends would be like, okay, I'm speaking. I mean, what do I say to you? You kind of figured it out. I don't do that. I'm so vulnerable. Like, Julie, you're vulnerable, but then you kind of figure it out. And I got with God and I did that. Mm. And so like, I'm so good now because I, I, I realized that. Realizing it is not healing. And that's the biggest thing I've had to learn. And I yeah. keep learning. That's an Enneagram for you too. Like, no, I think I figured it out. I think I'm good. <laughs> isn't that vulnerable of me? Isn't that like so awesome that I know? Because you don't talk about suffering in real time. No. You don't <laughs> let anyone see. You've already fixed it when you bring it before. It. Good, good. Yeah. 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 So, Chris, what about I, you? Any other tools you leaned on? Um, that's a good Still. question. I mean, I think my personality type, what I've learned is, oh, I've bypassed my grief to get to the place of truth and peace. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I needed to go through, I mean, anger, like all, all the stuff that my personality is going to express in a different way. But I think for years of doing ministry where it's like, no, it's about, I've got to say the right thing. So I've got to, 
immediately get to the right place. Cause even when we went through what we went through in year three of marriage, I've kind of reflected back. Like I was able to very quickly forgive and I'm thankful for that and really not carry bitterness. I think that was a grace from God, but I also look back. I'm like, Hmm, not that I wasn't angry cause I was, but I think I needed, I needed some real therapy to work through how it impacted me and work yeah. through the grief of it instead of just, yeah, but you forgive and you did it. Because right. I found myself, I've right. grown in this through her journey is like, not that I've ever been like, Julie, to suck it up, but almost wanting her to, I've, I've wounded her by cutting her off mid sentence. Yeah. But God, you know, saying the, the pastor thing, the church thing, the that scripture. Yeah. even, <laughs> even if it's true, it's, 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 true. it's yeah. denying <laughs> our emotions and our feelings. So, I mean, for me, it's looked a little different, but I think it's been more like letting myself grieve and feel and really take those things to God and mm-hmm. I've had a few people I've met with along the way that I've, I've as the self-awareness piece is like, okay, I'm, I'm learning this about myself. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that I'm not paying attention to? Um, because I, I've never felt more as a man vulnerable because coming to LA, we didn't come with like a job and income and it's, an, yeah. you know, it, it's a very expensive place to live. And we have struggled many, many months because of the uncertainty and, you know, for me to get back to the core of like, okay, what do I think? Do I believe, you know, this, 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 and this, it's struck mm-hmm. to the core of, of who I am, you know? So I would encourage anybody, like, it's like, if you have a check engine light that comes on your vehicle and you keep driving and you keep driving and you keep driving, what could have been something really minor if you'd taken it in and just paid attention and dealt with it, you know, or, or given it the attention, you, you know, if you don't, it's going to blow out an engine. And I think, everybody's going to have to deal with it at some point. It's just Mm -hmm. like, man, if we could just pay attention a lot more along the way and give it the attention it's needed before it becomes something where we're forced to deal with it, Mm -hmm. I think we'd be much healthier. And one really quick thing, people might not agree with me on this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I look at all the undealt with trauma that I thought that I dealt with. And I really believe, I mean, cancer, there's no formula to cancer. I will never say that. Um, uh, if somebody got cancer for this reason, I mean, I certainly don't have the theology in any way, shape or form, form that God gave me something to teach me. That's, oh, mm-hmm. that's not even right. That's right. how it's in the pole. But I'm talking like, I look at the things I kept going. I kept driving yeah. some of that was personality, survival, um, compartmentalization, church, all the things that brings, but I kept going and I, and I broke down and I know that that, that is part of why I had cancer mm-hmm. is it was a breaking down. It was undealt with trauma that I kept all these opportunities along the way. And sometimes maybe people bring things to me like, you're just judging me, you know? Yeah. Well, no, I constantly, you know, I'm struggling with feeling judged, but that mm-hmm. comes back to lots of other issues, right? Yeah. It's not always those things. And I watch something break down and, and we want to look at God as if he's not a genie in a bottle. We're not puppets on, you know, puppets on strings. And, and so many people are so upset. Like, well, I can't believe he could have kept that from happening. Sure. He could have done this. He, absolutely. He can do whatever he wants. Mm. 100% sovereign. But we forget that's a part of the suffering in life is that there's these, he, he's, he, he's not, it's not this little chest where he's like, okay, stop that, stop, do that, do that. You can't, there's miracles. Like you guys, I don't even have to go into all of that. He's like, what's his promise? I, everything I leave, that my surrender is, I promise that I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm that's it. You. I'm there. But, but God, I'm so mad. Why did you let that? No, no, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got at the end of the day. He's with me. Yeah. He didn't tell me tomorrow was going to be easy. He just promised me he'd be with me. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And out of yeah. that, 
I don't want to say the same. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to say the same. I don't want to say the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, really That's good. We haven't preached a long time. Oh. So. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's it's so um it's refreshing. And I just want to say thank you for your real-time tears for your real-time processing through even just this podcast and the way that you've shown up for it. Because the last thing that we want to give our listeners is a a rose-colored glasses, Pollyanna view of what would mark the life of a Christ follower. And I think you guys invited us in to see hopefully differently to expand how we view suffering, especially for those of us who've grown up with an evangelical or Baptist kind of lens of just focus on the resurrection, that victory. Um, And the reality is there's just so much more to God than that, you know? And um, so thanks for inviting us into that space. If people wanted to find you guys, like come stand outside of your house or whatever, where would they? Yeah, we'll put our address <laughs> up. And, um, you know, you find us on the, the TikTok. The TikTok? Is that what it's called? The kids? Are, are you all on the TikTok? No. I love it. Brett likes TikTok. I'm not there yet. I'm a TikToky. I am that like you guy. you post or you just watch them? Oh, no, I just watch. He's like I a learn. lawyer. I have learned right. so much. Ooh. Like about whatever, you, okay. you just can't imagine. Okay, well, I can't. Uh, no. So I would say <laughs> I was joking, Julie. Oh, I was trying to sound like I was forty-three, and I am. <laughs> um, on the Twitter, they can tweet. Twit. No, I better be careful. Okay, okay. No, I mean, I we have a podcast like you guys mentioned called Finding Family um, that people can listen to and subscribe, and it's all conversations with people like you guys that are really creating a sense of family and belonging for people and really honest challenges of life. Um, and then, you know, Julie's kind of an influencer on Instagram. You should you follow now. Julie. She, I mean, oh, you got you some branded, you. you got you some branded content. It's you got true. you a blue check mark. Do you? No, uh, I don't. Have uh, yeah. But she, someone's she, like, do you want a blue check mark? I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want somebody. No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so, you do. <laughs> really what does it get me? Yeah. It's in it for me. No, I don't <laughs> But you got paid to post some stuff, some lotions for your radiation. Uh, some lotion. <laughs> some radiation I lotion. Yeah, I, I applied it to her. Uh, never mind. I was trying to, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Under my armpit. Isn't that sexy? Oh, my armpit. gosh. <laughs> okay, we'll put all, we will put all of that in the notes. We're digressing. We're going down fast. Go find that lotion. And we are sponsored by Nipple Butter. If you... <laughs> just kidding. I that's that's why it's called the jesus said love podcast yeah i'm like i want a mastectomy how how offensive is that (laughs) you're lovely (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh you guys are so real what are so you've got the finding family podcast what what else are you um i guess in la i've heard the question asked is what are you working on does everybody really ask that so I, I have a handful of unscripted TV show concepts that I'm, I'm building out with a friend that we're shopping around. So hopefully people will get to see those. I just can't really say much about them right now. And yeah. then we're in the process of writing a book about family that awesome. will be coming out in about a year from now. Um, so those are the big things to be looking out for. 
You know what I think would be cool is if you did a show where you guys found some couples and you went and bought some old houses. And if you <laughs> stripped them out and then put Ooh, new yeah. stuff in them. Cool. And like fix like, them up. Like we kind of yeah. like make them better like make them better and then and then and then you could do like a reveal where this this thing goes up you know it goes up and reveals the new house like i don't think it would work i don't think it would work finding la finding la seriously i think we're out of time but you know chris we could talk about chris's any trying to fix anything he literally knows how to use a hammer kind of and he feels secure in that Truly. So we're going with TV and entertainment, right? That's our that's our world that we're we're moving towards, and it's great things in the works. Yeah, you guys are the best. That's exciting. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we love you guys. Awesome. Hopefully, or come to LA. I love it.